0: You know, today is Easter Sunday. Today is the day we set aside to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, honestly, we we ought to celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. But Easter really is the day that we kind of go all in on the celebration. Giving praise to God because death has been defeated. And new life is possible for each and every one of us. It is a day to celebrate That God is recreating the world, redeeming broken lives, healing hurting communities, and setting us free from the things that keep us in bondage. Jesus rose from the dead, and since Jesus rose, we can rise too. Does anyone need to rise up this morning? Does anyone feel maybe a little beat down or a little worn out and needs that new resurrection life that Jesus can offer? Death, darkness, and violence, they still do remain in our world. But the resurrection tells us that they do not reign over us any longer. Jesus has overcome the world. Let's say this together. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. You know, today is all about Jesus. I could talk about Jesus for for so, so many days, for so, so many years, because Jesus has changed my life. Our faith is all about Jesus. We worship and we follow Jesus. We don't worship the Bible or the religion of Christianity or, or some particular brand of Christianity. We worship and we follow Jesus. Jesus was born in a small town called Bethlehem. Grew up in another small town called Nazareth, a boy just like many of us. He worked with his dad in manual labor, traveling to nearby towns to work for the wealthy. When he reached about the age 30, he had kind of his big coming out party. John the Baptist had told everyone that Jesus was coming, and so Jesus went to the Jordan River. He was baptized by John. A voice from heaven spoke over him, and then the Spirit drove him out into the wilderness to discern and to refine the calling that was on his life. And coming out of the wilderness on this sort of vision quest, he he came out ready to fulfill his mission. He went into the synagogue, he picked up the scroll, and he read from the book of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was his mission. But Jesus didn't do it alone. He found some men and women, average people that weren't all that special, but he called them to follow him, to learn from him and to help him in his mission of freedom and healing. Jesus reached out, and he loved, and he loved, and he loved. He loved the poor. He loved his enemies. He loved the Father, and he loved these new friends that followed him for three years. They relied on him. They soaked in everything he said and did. They tried to be like him. They started talking like him. They tried to protect him. They loved Jesus. After he finally made it to Jerusalem, Jesus went with them to the upper room of a home in the city. And he told them that he was leaving them. He said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. The time has come for me to go. You don't understand now what I'm talking about, but you will. The disciples were afraid. They were concerned. They were freaking out. You can't leave us, they thought. And Jesus assured them that he wasn't leaving them alone. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid, he told them. I would never leave you as orphans. I'm giving you my spirit, the advocate, because if you have my spirit, then you will have me with you always. And he told them to remain in me. I'm going to remain in and you. And he told them that life was going to be hard. That the world would reject them. That the way they had been living and working in that world would not be accepted by most people. You're going to need to stay connected to me and you're going to need each other. And so you better love each other, he said. That's my command. Love each other. I've loved each and every one of you, he said. And so you better keep it up and do the same for one another. He told them that He was their friend, and He said He told them all these things because He wanted them to have joy in their lives. Shortly after telling them these things, He went to the garden to pray, and His disciples fell asleep when He asked them to stay awake. Then He was betrayed by His friend Judas and arrested by the authorities. His followers were shocked. They were scared. They were confused. They truly thought He was going to redeem Israel. He was taken to court in the middle of the night, found guilty, and sentenced to execution by crucifixion. He was crucified on the cross. They took his body and they put it in a tomb. His friends and his followers were horrified and terrified and completely devastated. Jesus said he was going to leave, but they didn't expect that to happen. Maybe he fooled them. Maybe he was a fraud. Were they stupid to believe Him? To give their lives to Him? What about the movement? What about the redemption of their nation? But then the unthinkable happened. None of them expected this. Jesus rose from the dead. Early morning on Easter, while it was still dark, some courageous women went to the tomb, and they found it empty. The body was not stolen. But Jesus rose from the dead. This blew their minds. And it led them to completely give their lives to the way of Jesus. Everything He said and did became even more important to them in that moment because they realized that not only was Jesus a wonderful man, but He truly was the Son of God. The entire New Testament is basically the early Christians trying to make sense of the resurrection. If Jesus rose from the dead, that truly changes everything. And so they tried their best to describe the significance of this world-altering event. They used every tool in their tool belt, all the language and examples and metaphors they could think of to try to describe who Jesus was and what His life and death and resurrection meant for the world. Did you know that there are over 50 names for Jesus in the New Testament? Over 50. I'm going to read them just because I can. Advocate. Almighty. Alpha and Omega. Amen. Atoning sacrifice. Author of life. Bread from heaven. Bridegroom. Chief shepherd. Christ. Consolation of Israel. Deliverer. Emmanuel. Indescribable gift. Faithful and true witness. Friend. The gate. God. Good shepherd. Heir of all things. High priest holy and righteous one, holy one of Israel, horn of salvation, I am king of the Jews, lamb of God, last Adam, light of the world, lion of the tribe of Judah, Lord, Lord of all, Lord of glory, Lord of lords and king of kings, master, mediator, Messiah, morning star, our Passover lamb, Pioneer and perfecter of our faith, prince of peace, rabbi, resurrection in the life, righteous one, ruler of God's creation, savior, son of man, son of David, son of the Most High, spiritual rock, the way, the truth, and the light, word. I didn't mean to end on word, but that sounded cool. Um, I've heard it described that the New Testament provides a kaleidoscopic view of Jesus. So many colors, so many different images, and if you tilt it and change it slightly, you get a new perspective of who Jesus was. There are so many different ways to describe Jesus and the impact he had on the world. You know, the writers of the New Testament wanted so bad for people to understand how important, how life-changing, how amazing Jesus is, that they describe Jesus and his impact in as many ways as they could possibly come up with. You know, perhaps this list of 52 names of Jesus feels overwhelming or confusing to you. Can Jesus really be all these things? How do we know who Jesus is if he has this many names? I understand. But for me, this is so exciting for me to see all these names of Jesus in one place. Because it just shows how big of an impact that he has had on the world. Perhaps as this is what happens when the fullness of God dwells inside of a human. They become beyond our explanations. All too often we've tried to pick and choose one or two of these. We've tried to box Jesus in. We want Jesus to fit within our limited understandings of God's purpose and will in the world. We want Jesus to be a Methodist or a Southern Baptist or a Catholic or a Unitarian or a Presbyterian or a Democrat or a Republican. And Jesus keeps blowing open our boxes. He can't be contained in our limited, self serving agendas, ideas, and priorities. You know, after Jesus died, his followers were obviously devastated. Jesus ended up not fitting into their box. He wasn't supposed to give himself up to his enemies. He was not supposed to get arrested. He was not supposed to die. They all fled in fear. They all fled. They were hiding out in safe houses in Jerusalem and the surrounding area. And I love what happens after Jesus arises. Jesus goes out, and he just appears to his friends. They just pop up, and they'll see him, and they were totally freaked out. At first, he appeared to Mary in the garden. She had been crying and weeping, and she was so devastated, and Jesus appeared to her. Then he found some of his friends hiding behind a locked door. He showed Thomas his scars. He found some disciples on the road to Emmaus. He cooked from some breakfast for some others on the beach. And when they saw the risen Lord, their eyes were opened to see new and fresh possibilities. The boxes in which they had put Jesus in were burst open, and they saw that Jesus was way more than they could have ever imagined. In those moments, their closed worlds were broken open. Something that seemed completely illogical and impossible had happened. The one who was clearly dead had come back to life and spoke to them. It was a new day. It was a new life. It was a resurrection for Jesus. But it was also a resurrection for them. Many of you in this room, I'm sure, and those of you online are struggling right now. You are discouraged. You are facing serious limitations and setbacks and challenges in your lives. You may be struggling to have hope right now that things can change for you. Perhaps your closed world needs to be broken open. Perhaps you need to see a glimpse of a brand new future. I believe Jesus is calling your name just like he called Mary's name in the garden. Do you hear Jesus calling your name? inviting you to join Him in the resurrection life. In this moment of pain and crisis and death, I want you to know that you are powerful. You are courageous. You are able. You are creative. You are strong. You are steadfast. You can do this. And not because you necessarily have it all within you, but because Christ is in you. Jesus is way more than we could ever imagine. And if we set Jesus free and let Jesus be Jesus, then I believe we can be set free also. With Jesus, even though you may feel weak, you are strong because he lives in you. You can do this. We can do this. Christ has risen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.